Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for coming along um, to witness a wonderful talk. Um, so we have with us today Nicholas Feldberg, who is currently working on a corporate uh, relationships, who's currently working as a corporate relationships manager at Anima International, where he leads the Norwegian broiler campaign. He spends most of his time doing communication, strategy, operations, grassroots, and campaigning. Um, today, he's going to speak with us about how to make major impact for animals. We may not have time for Q&A, live Q&A, uh, during the talk or after the talk, but uh, you can find uh, Nicholas in, uh, in discussion space for his office hour immediately after the talk. So he'll be there for half an hour from 5 till 5.30. So if you have any questions in mind, so you can uh, you know, go and catch hold of him in the discussion space and ask all your questions. Over to you, Nicholas. Thank you, and thank you for giving me your time today. So today I'm gonna talk about how a single campaign can help solve billion of problems. But first off, which focus area are we looking today on, on within the EA community? Well, it's animal suffering. It's an area that's quite neglected, few resources, people, and a lot of suffering. But what the heck am I doing here? Uh, on the bottom, Right there, you can see me presenting my thesis about ecstatic materials, if you know what that is. And on top here, you can see me uh, talking about chicken and animal welfare on live television. I have a bachelor's in mechanical engineering and a master's in industrial mechanics. I have no natural talent for communication work or campaigning. So why did I and why should I dedicate my lives to animals? I worked here for three years now at Anima International, and uh, uh, within that time, was time span, I have helped millions of animals and I paved the road to help tens of millions of animals. This, so why farmed animals? Well, we have effective interventions, but a bottleneck is people and talent. Uh, on the left here, you can see that. Form far more animals passes through factory farms than on pet shelters. And far more money is used on pet shelters than on factory farmed animals. So we have effective interventions, but really ne real need is talent. We have a direct and concrete impact in the horizon, and there are many low-hanging fruits. But what is Anima International? And when the international is an uh, organization operating in seven countries, we have over two decades of experience. Over 20 years ago, we started out in a basement in Denmark. And from that time, we have grown a lot. We are an organization that likes to go deep into industries and look, as, look at what's really happening, how is it working, and how can we uh, use this information most effectively. We look at the reality and then use that alternatives that are presented for us. Uh, but to make an even bigger impact, we are part of a global community. S the Open Vegan Alliance is a global coalition working in 67 countries uh, with 96 organizations. But what I'm talking about there, corporate campaigns, what are that? Well. This is a very simplified version of the real case. There are a lot more complicated in information behind here, but to make it simple, this is how I can illustrate a corporate campaign. First off, you have the issue. Let's say caged eggs. 
Uh, you need to inform the public about this issue. You need some kind of support and, and uh, supporter base behind you when you present this issue. When you have that, you go to the companies and inform them. These companies, uh, in these companies, there sits just normal people. They often don't know really anything about animal welfare. They don't really know that much. So when you inform the companies about the issue, this is made maybe the first time they ever hear about it. So, but when they first know about it, you expect something from them, and that's for them to commit. You're presented an issue and a solution. So many times they do commit. They commit to do something that you want, for example, facing out caged eggs. But sometimes they do not. So we do something called a pressure campaign, informing the public about the welfare in that business. And most often than not, these companies uh, commit. They commit to doing this intervention we are, are expecting from them. And in the end, we are showing other companies what this company has done. Major global and international companies are doing what we are asking of them. This is something real, it's happening, and we are expecting the same of you. These companies see that this is happening and are afraid of being left out. But why should we focus on companies? Well, I ask you, who controls our food system? Uh, you can see here on the left that you have government, farmers and consumers all pointing on each other. This is quite common, you know, farmers saying consumers just need to buy better welfare. And consumers just saying farmers just need to stop abusing the animals. But I ask you, who are the choice editors? When you go to McDonald's, can you ask for a Big Mac with extra good animal welfare? No, you can't. Uh, and when you go to Lidl, Aldi, Ica, do you, are the choices really represented in a proper manner before you? When you go and look at organic and compare it to conventional, can you really see the difference? Do you know the difference? No. The options are not really represented in a proper manner before you. So the companies advertise and choose what consumers buy. They choose what they buy from farmers. They are the choice editors and they are the ones who control our system. They have dictatorial power over their own domains. So, the companies are in control of our food system, but who are in control of the companies? You may go on that it's quite more complicated than this, <laughs> but for the sake of keeping it short, let's imagine it like this. You have a small number of people in charge. Uh, and on one side, you have the owners. You know, companies can be privately owned, they can be stockholders, or they can be cooperatives. But what we are asking of them is a minor issue. It's not something that uh, they want to really ma meddle in. This is a day-to-day -day task. So it's to the decision makers. It's to the board, the management, the CEO, and sometimes a person named Greg. Greg is often our first point of contact. He's head of CSR, which stands for Corporate Social Responsibility. He's a good guy. He has kids likes long walks on the beach, and, has, and loves his dog. He would love to do something for animals. He's a good person to have as an ally and to make a good first impression on. And again, this is a really simplified version of the real case. Uh, but yeah, uh, Greg has to be practical. He has to, he has to present these issues to the decision makers. And he's, he's seeing some issues. First off, what we're asking will increase the price and they will 
availability. Is this even made in our country? Is it available in the quantities we want? And public opinion. Is the public going to be mad at us for doing this, or are they going to support it? And then there is internal stuff. And what is that? It may be a lot of different kind. It's kind of a joker card. It may be that the CEO is friends with, uh, with someone in the industry. His brother-in-law may be the CEO of a meat company. The structure of the company may be really uh, strange and rigid, making it almost impossible to make changes about the law. That's all they have ever done, just following or barely following the law. So how do we move these problems? How do we motivate Greg and the people behind Greg? Well, we present the issue in two ways, or in one way, and they can choose which way they are taking. Either this, what we are asking for, is a good idea to do. It will drive consumers more profit and improve their image. Or this is a bad idea not to do. They will lose profits, lose customers, and will tarnish their image. So, we know this and how Let's look at how this is used, uh, utilized in a specific campaign. We have the Broiler campaign. This is a global campaign that many, many organizations are working on right now. And the basics are, there are 73 billion broilers killed each year. And it's only increasing because of sustainability and consumers viewing chicken as a cheap and healthy alternative to red meat, ex for example. So, let's improve all of their lives and save a few billion of chickens. This started out in 2016. So, to be more specific, let's look at how this looks in the Nordic countries, Scandinavia. Well, we eat over 400 million broilers each year, and that's increasing. One third of all the meat we eat is chicken. And many more animals die and are discarded on the way. This is only the animals that we directly eat. Chicken accounts for over 90% of all the land animals we use in Scandinavia, Europe, and the world. And they are some of the animals that have it the worst. The genetics is horrible. For many decades, they have been grown or selectively bred to grow in extreme fast paste and to optimize cost. They're optimized for production and not to live. On the right here, on the left here, you can see that uh, how the they have been selective bred. Just 50 years ago, or 70 years ago, in 1957, a broiler on day 59, 56, weighed 900 grams. And in 2005, it's four times that, at over four kilos. They have breast issues, organ failures, fatigue, passive behavior, wounds on their leg, muscle diseases, and maybe worst of all, they're hardly able to walk. A Norwegian study from 2019 revealed that in Norwegian production, ROS 308, we use over nine out of 10 could not walk properly, normally, and that almost 20% had moderate to severe issues walking. This may prohibits them from uh, doing their natural behavior, like uh, dust padding, uh, scavenging, and looking for food. 
and this has major impact on their health and well-being. So what's the solution? What can we do to improve their lives? This is not um, a solution to solve all of their problems or making it good in any way, but it's removing a bad choice. It's removing the worst of the world worst and improving chickens' lives. So this is a minimum standard to improve all of all of chicken slices, not just the organic or something like that. And a global coalition has come up with this and is working on this, the Open Wing Alliance. And this is our most ambitious goal ever. Helping the most animal and reducing the most suffering ever for animals. And in short, it can be explained like this. There are more criteria, but the most important ones are slower growth, which will lead to healthier genetics, less disease, muscle disease, etc., and less broilers in each chicken house, meaning they have more space. But what, really, what are the differences? Well, we're going to look at two differences. Discarded birds. On the graph here, you can see a comparison between Ross and Hubbard. This is from a real production in Norway, Norskkylling. They switch from faster growing and conventional production to ECC. And this is the change. And this is major change, change because this includes millions uh, and millions of animals. Uh, not just are less birds thrown in the garbage or not approved for human consumption, but the animals have it better because when they have these diseases, even if they are accepted for human consumption, they suffer. And difference number two, their walking ability. As I said, this is a major issue, maybe the biggest one. And on the most right here, you can see that a fast-growing bird, the bars, has much higher rate of gait score. Gait score, the higher, the worse. Zero is they're they walking normally. And on faster-growing broilers, almost none are. And to the left, you can see three different Broilers slow growing in different densities, and all of them have better walking abilities. This is a major change for the animals, which improves their lives in a significant way. So, we have what we want the companies to commit to, and we have the issue. What tools do we use? Well, these are just some of the tools we use in Animal International. There are more. But we are agnostic to that approach. We don't really stick to one tool. We are not a hammer and everything is a nail. So we look and go deep into industries, what are needed, what's needed for the situation, the campaign, the company, and then apply that. We are not, uh, we are not avoiding any tool, but we are using tools that makes the most sense. And what makes the most sense most of the time is negotiations and building relationships. We come really far with that. That's kind of the the most impactful thing with corporate campaigns. You can meet a company, discuss the issue with them, and you can actually see results. You don't have to invest major resources into it all of the time. But sometimes, of course, you do need to do that. So we are not averse to using advertisement, grassroots work, or investigations. But most of the time, we use social media, make good stories in newspapers, uh, and sometimes use other tools. But we have to be able to use all of them to properly and effectively reach our goals. So let's look at how we have used some of these tools in a Danish campaign.
Denmark is on the front almost behind the Netherlands, you could say, in the slower growing uh, breed con uh, facing, out, uh, facing in. Because as I said, it's an European and global campaign. In Denmark, we started out in 2017. At that time, about three percentages of the internal of the supply was slow growing. Today, 30 to 40 percent is slow growing, including export. That means 60 to 70 percentage of the internal supply, or uh, yeah, internal supply is slow growing. This is a huge impact that made the lives of tens of millions of animals better. And we have done that through several hundred media hits. We have really reached consumers and made the public aware about the issues in the broilers industry in Denmark. So we even got the word turbo chicken in the dictionary. And if you don't know, turbo chicken is a word we have utilized to hit harder and, and hit consumers with, with the reality, just like with caged eggs, it sticks. And when companies do not want to commit, or so we then we need to make this a bad idea not to do. And one way to make this we are asking for a bad idea not to do is to do a so-called informational campaign, pressure campaign. And here you can see we are demonstrating against a supermarket in Denmark, against Danmo Welfare in that business. And in the end, this company committed after two long years. But the impact is enormous. Tens of millions of animals are helped, and it moves the market. And as you can see, an important part of this is reaching consumers on social media or in newspapers, making them aware of the issue, furthering, motivating the companies to do something, because their consumers are asking, they are, they are, they are asking and demanding action from the companies also. There you can also see some more examples. One thing we like to do is to show consumers and companies that this is real. This is happening and you're going to see it everywhere. It's just not a social media post online, but it's in the streets. It's when you go to work. It's when you go to the supermarkets to buy some chicken. You will see this issue and be aware of it. We read some in newspapers. We, we we reach them when they go to the football stadium, everywhere. But that's not what we most of the time do. What we find very effectful, uh, because we need to use less resources, is widening the gap between companies. When we explain to consumers and the media that these companies are doing something impactful, and these, then at the same time you tell company, the, the media the companies and consumers that the other companies are not doing something. Because when consumers see this in the newspaper, they ask themselves, okay, it's great that this company is doing something, but what about other companies? Is my local supermarket doing something? So when you widen the gap, you make a difference. You show to consumers and the companies that this is something to do. There is a meaning with it. Everything is not bad. So. We have the tools, we have the problem, we have the solution. So here is an issue you can have huge and major impact on. You can have direct and concrete impact within the horizon. A few year, in a, within a few years, you can do major impact that you can see and feel and notice.
So what will you need to kind of do this kind of work? You will, you will need willingness to learn, motivation, patience. As you can see, I'm no, I don't have an education in animal welfare or rights. Uh, so you don't really need anything, just uh, a drive and some talent for learning. And what will you get out of it? Well, something I really enjoy is that I have a community of like-minded people, just like the EA community, but just a bit more specific. You have a real and great chance to develop your skills. Not a lot of people have these skills, so it's really something new. You're challenging yourself, and it's really a meaningful job. You will feel the, the difference you make, and you will notice it. And you have a chance to help many, many millions of animals. All you need to do is to reach out to your local organization that's doing this kind of work. And I'm sure they will be happy to have you on board. Thank you. Thanks a lot. It was such a lovely presentation. And if you guys have any questions, we are moving to discussion space now. And if you don't know where that is, you can just follow us. And uh, yeah, and thank you so much, Nicholas, for coming and giving this talk. Thank you very much. Thank you so much.